This is the Blind Entrepreneur Podcast, where we help millennials and business professionals execute their vision by guiding them to profitability. Today, we have Justin Devonshire on the show. He's an international speaker and leading business growth expert for coaches, consultants, authors, speakers, and service providers. I can say in full confidence and transparency that the way I thought the conversation was going to go today went into the complete opposite direction but all in a good way justin is incredibly knowledgeable and self-aware something that i admire and respect i hope you enjoy today's episode as much as i did i learned a ton enjoy let's go Hey, Justin, welcome to the show. Hey, Jonathan, good to be here. Awesome, man. So before we get into the heavy-hitting questions about business and entrepreneurship, we have to talk about the important stuff. Uh, Being from the UK, now moving all the way to Cyprus, uh, I have to ask the question. So imagine you just had the absolute best day of your life. Where are you going to eat and what are you going to order to make your day complete? Oh, that's easy. There's a place here in Cyprus, uh, and it is uh, called the it's a, it's a steakhouse. It's called the Columbia Steakhouse. Uh, it's a pretty high-end place, but they do the best uh, steak sushi you'll ever find. So it's it's uh, 80 pieces of sushi. Me and my friend usually share it with some USDA organic gra- grass-fed beef. <laughs> that's the meal for me done nice not bad so what is what is steak sushi is that what you said steak sushi yeah so like do they yeah they do. so the steakhouse if they yeah they do the piece of sushi and they put the, the warm steak right into it interesting now that yeah. sounds pretty damn good i'm not gonna lie <laughs> um so the first real question of the podcast is Tell me about a time when you felt lost or blind in business, and how did you overcome the obstacles? Great. So, you know, the, for me, the biggest sticking point in, in business, um, in, in growing a, a fitness business at the time, was uh, when, when, when a lot of the time, when, when, when if you're the specialist or you're the technician doing the skill that the business revolves around, it can be very easy to, to block yourself in, and you, you do all the work you take on. Because you know you're 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 hustling for all the leads. You're the one selling the product. You're the one delivering the product sometimes. And if you're in that position, like I was, you can get stuck inside that. And and before you know it, you created a business to get more freedom, but it actually turned out just a rat race and uh, created your own. So that's where I was, and um, I was stuck then because I had a great program, had great products and services. I knew that because people were coming back. I was making a fairly decent income. People were telling me how great it was, clients getting results. But the sticking point, the blind spot was then, okay, how do I, you know, more people need the service, but how can I scale up to to, to 1,000 customers or 10,000 customers if I'm the one doing all the work? And I think a lot of what I call solopreneurs in this aspect get this self-sabotaging thing where, they feel like the more money they make, the less freedom they keep. 
mm. and that keeps us stuck a lot of the time. So that was my blind spot of like, how do I grow but not destroy my life in the, in the process when I'm busy working 16 hour days as it is. Mm-hmm. And that question got answered for me um, by the universe, you could say, when uh, my, my mother, time, who was back in the UK, I'd moved out to Cyprus at this point, and my mother back in the UK uh, had been diagnosed with a brain tumor. So I got the call one day from the family saying, like, hey, you know, your mum's ill, she's going to go in for emergency surgery this week, uh, can you come home? And that was it. I didn't think about anything, I just had to pack my bags, uh, told my clients, that's it for now, uh, I'll see what happens, flew back to the UK, and, and that's when I realized a few weeks later that I never really had a business, it was only a job. Now, fortunately, my mother got better, she got back on her feet, she recovered, uh, but I stayed back in the UK for several months, about a year or so, to, to help her get back on her feet, uh, and that's when I decided to come back to Cyprus and, and, and try this business thing again. But my mindset was different now, and from now, I'd gone from that obsession of having to do it all myself, ego telling you that you have to do it all. Now I had a different mindset, which was that, uh, like a fear of doing it myself. And I had that old mindset that my income would, would never again rely all on me. And that's when I changed things and, and started to grow a real business then. Hmm. So the the idea of uh, the aspect of like being in your own head um, and having that egocentric mentality is something that I think about on on the regular. Um, other than the exact moment of what you thought about of changing that mindset, like how long did it take you to change that way of thinking? And was that relatively difficult for you to change or is it still kind of happening as we speak today? That's a good question, you know, because uh, I've, I've got a background in, in a lot of neuroscience and behavior change psychology, so I know the specifics of it. And there are a couple, you know, the couple of ways you can you can change the pathways in your brain. It's either through low intensity but frequent repetition of something, or it's through instantaneous, uh, high intensity emotional change. Right. So for me, it was the high impact emotional change where. One minute, I, I've got to do it all myself. The next minute, it's like, I cannot do this myself. Be, you know, so, so I was, in a way, fortunate to have that happen so fast, you know, in a way fortunate. Whereas other entrepreneurs I meet, they, things haven't got bad enough for them to make a change yet. Mm. And so they say, yeah, I, I should outsource more. Yeah, I should build systems. Yeah, I should, I should, I should. But that low frequency repetition never seems to make a difference. Hmm. You know, let's say the, it was the hard way. I had to learn, but you learn fast. Um, however, having said that, it, it is definitely that residual. Old, those old patterns do come up from time to time. And, you know, there are times when I've got to stop myself. I, I find myself doing tasks that are not in what I call my critical 5%, the 5% of things that are most profitable that I should be doing. And I find myself, you know, making up a graphic for a blog post or um, making up a PayPal link for when, when it's like, no, I've got team members or people can do this for me. So that residual egocentricness comes up, comes back sometimes, but you've just got to learn to be aware of it, to kind of catch your own hand in the cookie jar when it comes up. 
slap your hand away and, and say, no, let's get back on track for systems automation so that uh, you can focus on, on you know, leading the company and, and, and leading the vision and leading the team. Because one thing I've learned as well, is, which is pretty cool, is that you know, every hour you spend doing a technical task, you've basically robbed your team member of one hour of mastery they could have gained from that. Mm. So I kind of just train myself to look at it that way now, that what am I taking from somebody else here in the company? I mean, I think I've, I've been obsessed with that, that ideology of, of what you just described, uh, training your body, training your mind. What type of people do you think, or what will it take in order for an individual to, to achieve the ultimate success? Being that you're in the neurology and the neuroscience type of, um, you know, studied at one point. Um, do you think this is for the common folk or uh, do you think everybody can do it um, as long as they train themselves and have and might have that proper experience? Yeah, I think, I think you know, we've all got our brains all work the same way. So I think it's a case of most people don't get there because they don't really have a goal or they haven't defined success for them. Most of us are, and I've done this in the past too, we are taking somebody else's model of success and then judging ourselves if we don't get it, you know? So it's like, you know, the first thing most, most entrepreneurs say to me when it comes to a, a revenue goal is, I wanna make 10K a month. And I'm like, that's interesting, because that's what everybody says. You know, why not 7K or 8.5K or 12? You know, um, there's like the, the, the benchmarks, like the six-figure and seven-figure things, which we use as convenient benchmarks, but a lot of people only look at the money and they don't actually look at what they really want for their life. So they don't decide to find what success means a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And then they don't actually attempt to change their behaviors day to day or the strategies they use because a lot of people get caught up in the hamster wheel of doing all these tasks. Hmm. A lot of the time they can't even tell you. They've just lost sight of where they're actually going. Mm -hmm. So if people get clear on their vision, they know the outcome, they know that the tasks in their business and, and even their business as a whole is a strategy, the business is a vehicle to get somewhere, to serve their lifestyle in some way rather than them serving the business, then once they get clear on that, they have a desire and they know where they're going, then I, I think it's, very, it's a lot easier to be aware of the patterns to change in your brain, to know uh, the way the one, what I'm trying to say is a lot of people don't even know they're stuck in blind spots because they're not looking anywhere. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They're just in the daily grind and they think that's just the way it is. And I want a successful business, so I've got to work 20 hours a day and that's just the way it is. So they haven't even looked at their blind spots. Hmm. That's a, I think that's a big problem we have in entrepreneurship today. Yeah, yeah, uh, very well said. The next question I have, and we talked a little bit off air about automation, um, but one of the hardest things to do in business is to achieve your first 100 customers. Um, how are you, how were you able to accomplish this? Great questions. First 100 customers. Um, so, you know, depending on where you're starting out, it's different for everyone. For me, I was starting off like a lot of people with a non-existent ads budget. Um, no brand awareness, no audience, no following, just just an idea or a service and, and getting out there in my local community. So 
for me, I found the fastest, the way I did it was through uh, endorsed means or looking at for other people that already had access to the audience I was looking for. That for me was like the fastest way to get the first hundred. So in my business, this, this was a fitness facility. It was it was fitness training. So what I did then is I reached out to all the local salons in the area, schools, coffee shops, restaurants, perfume shops, clothes shops, anywhere where my target demographic of of you know uh, 25 to 50 year old females would be, and I knew that these these other businesses had access to that audience. So I would go to most of them and say, hey, I've got this service. Can we help each other out? Can I offer some value to your company somehow? And I would just barter for anything I could give them, whether it was some expertise in marketing or business or if it was the promise to bring customers to them or even just the promise to say I'll give out their business cards and leaflets. Any leverage I find that would help in return for them putting out like a shout out or a promotion to send people my way and that was pretty much how I got my first um, well I think I got the first kind of 50 or 60 customers that way and then I switched over to a lot more paid advertising as soon as I had the budget for that mm. but to get the ball rolling um, it was definitely um, referrals endorsed advertising finding people because you need, you need a list right you need an audience of people so the fastest way for me was finding people that already had that list. Mm. And then if I couldn't trade money for it, what, what value could I find mm-hmm. to trade for it? Was there anything that you would have done differently um, given the position that you are now about your initial process of how to obtain your customers? Yes. Yeah, a lot of things would have done differently. Uh, <laughs> I would have, you know, I, I back then I... I believed, like a lot of people told me, that that you should always start with organic marketing and you should get your first few customers organically and all this kind of thing. Now I don't agree with that because the way paid advertising is online, how cheap and, and targeted and accessible it is today, what I would have done differently now and what I advise new businesses now is start building your own audience because you can start building an audience of, of, of hundreds of people for, for like $5 a day. With, with Facebook ads or maybe a bit more on Google and YouTube. But audience building is, is, a, is, is a lot more accessible and cheaper today. And I would have um, made a sacrifice somewhere to afford five, 10 bucks a day. And I would have um, put that out there because I realized it, I was like hustling, you know, five hours a day on Facebook, mm. posting in different groups and comments and things like that. If I just put $5 on Facebook, Facebook could have sent my content to 3,000 people all, and that $5 would have gone a lot further than I could do in hours on my own. Mm-hmm. So I would say to people, get that, auto- get that automated lead gen right from the start. Even if it's tiny, it just gets you out there. You'll start pulling in a very small audience, uh, and then you can support that with your organic outreach. But over time, when that compounds, in, in three to six months, you'll have an audience um, without realizing it. So I guess um, once, you, once you obtain it, and I think those strategies are really good, once you obtain that list, once you obtain that, um, that base, 
how did you find it relatively easy or or was it difficult to then convert them into the next part of the funnel so to speak i would say it's it's simple it wasn't easy for me uh because i took a while to get my head around all this stuff but um you know there's two things i think you need one is immediate and one is long term and the first the immediate thing is yeah and this is nothing new but you know the irresistible offer you've a lot of businesses are too quick to just sell the back-end product. Mm. Like, hey, join my membership, buy my big product, invest in this big service, right? Rather than having, I think, I think we're at the age now in most industries where there's so much competition, we need to stand out with, with more of a front-end trial-based service or product mm. uh, or like a low-barrier offer to get in. So I think it's having a really irresistible low-barrier offer, which is to test drive your services Having having your audience lead to that point first of all, because mm-hmm. um, we're starting off. You haven't got amazing sales skills. You're not an amazing copywriter. I think like having you know good copywriting and sales skills only compensate for a poor offer. Mm-hmm. If you get better at putting an offer together, you don't need all the sales and the NLP tactics and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. And I suck at sales. Like, like I really can't do it. So I. Instead, it was thought like, like, how can I make an offer so good for people to try out my service that like they just literally can't say no? They'd mm. feel stupid saying no to this, right? Mm. Um, and um, in the end, in one of our gyms, we did this. We put a, we had, we had a six-week challenge where if they completed the six-week challenge and lost um, like about ten to fifteen pounds, we'd actually pay their money back, mm. right? So it's like you get in shape and we'll pay you for it, right? And you know that took off uh, like crazy when we built that. So that's the first thing is having that front end offer. You've got to have that there because you, you, you can have a list, you can have a following, but if there's no way to lead them only to a very awkward sales conversation, that's not going to work. The other thing you need then is just time and persistence. And I, I built um, like a six-figure consultancy online, a business consultancy later, through my Facebook profile. But it was through posting content like every single day for a year and a half. And, and people ask me like, "Hey, Jen, how do you how do you uh, you know make a six figure consultancy from from Facebook?" And I'm like, "Oh, it's it's simple. It's just two steps. You know, it's like post every day amazing content, uh, and then wait a year and a half, uh-huh. right? <laughs> and they're like, how do I do that without step two? Right? And there isn't. If you do things organically, um, it it's going to take a bit more time, obviously, because you're you're saving money, but you're going to expend time. So." That's two things I would say with building an audience is have that great front-end offer to help you out and then realize it's going to take a bit of time and it's worth it. It is worth it in the end, but you're going to show up consistently daily to that audience because they'll forget you very, very quickly if you don't. The content that you were posting every single day, was there anything in particular that worked better than something that didn't? So... When a lot of people ask ask this question or or they answer this question, they look at the kind of surface layer tactical things. Like they might ask, you know, is is video better than audio, or is a is it better to post at this time of day at that time? I never concerned myself with that stuff. I just hmm. did. I posted. I you know I know I believe that content and marketing overall is just telling you telling stories, right? So the first thing that some, actually a neuroscience teacher taught me was tell stories in the way that you best express them. And for me, 
I'm a much better writer. I've always mm. done, I've always written articles and things. I'm, I'm a lot more of a writer than I am a video content person. Other people are really good on video, but they, they, they can't write to save their life, you know. So that's the first thing it is, was if you stick in your brain and do share your content in the medium that you best express it, for me was writing, and I just did like long form, basic Facebook posts. I didn't have images, and I still do to this day. I just have these really long form Facebook posts that are engaging to read. And the other thing I try and do to be different, what, what worked for me was getting the right mix. A lot, of, a lot of business owners, when they do content marketing, they try too hard to educate people. And if you look at the best content marketers of all time, like look at guys like Jim Rohn, or Tony Robbins, or guys like that, right? These guys have been in the game for 30 years. And if you look at their free content, like break down their free content, what is, like what is, what is, what content does Jim Rohn actually give? Like he basically says like, like, you know, be friends with cool people, save money, like set your goals. Tony Robbins, it's like, like being, uh, you know, like these guys, they give little sound bites. They don't actually give a lot of actual, they're not giving like novels of like 697 steps to change your life. So I, I figured onto that pretty quickly and I realized that the, what they do, and most brands do this, their content is two things. It's simple and it's inspiring. It aims to inspire more than educate. And so when you put a good mix in, so you have some content is about inspiring people, sharing stories, and then about 20% of it is educational, like tips and frameworks and things like that. That for me worked as a good uh, combination, I think. Justin, thanks for that information. Um, very resourceful and very well documented and said. The next thing that I would like to talk to you about is a segment that I call Explain That Gram, which basically what I did was I went through the deepest and darkest secrets of your entire web history, and I found some content that I thought was the most intriguing. So if you could just kind of speak to the questions that I'm about to, uh, about the pictures that you've taken. Uh, so hopefully that's okay with you. The first one is... Uh, this little guy right here. Uh, so it's a, a picture of you in um, in, in an Iron Man shirt, uh, along with um, a Marvel underwear of some sorts. Uh, and you're talking about how you're excited Disney bought Fox's uh, uh, the X the X Men uh, universe. Um, you know, wh who's your favorite superhero of all time, and and why? Well, yeah, so apart from being a big wrestling nerd, I'm also a big uh, superhero Marvel nerd as well. Um, I think I'm, I'm, a, I'm more of a modern-day Marvel fan, so I think I'm going to have to say that Iron Man is nice. my favorite. Mm. He's the guy. Good stuff. <laughs> is there any reason why? Um, I think just, just the, the, you know, his no, no BS style, um, being super successful, you know, you're a super successful billionaire business and you're a superhero, then, you know, you you must have your shit together, you know? Yeah, no, totally. Uh, <laughs> good aspirations. <laughs> Without a doubt. Um, the other thing that, that I didn't even take a picture of was that you also love wrestling, and I forgot about that. So, um, you know, who are some wrestlers that you love? Do you love the current product that's happening in, in the WWE? And, and you know, let, let us hear some of your insights on the wrestling world. Well, not only that, I used to actually, I used to actually do it. 
I used to actually um, do some like amateur um, amateur shows and stuff. And a lot of people I actually worked with back in the day uh, are actually big guys now. So I mean, um, like Nick Aldis has, has done pretty well in in, in TNA. Uh, first match was with him um, you, over ten years ago. Um, I've worked in you know done done uh, in ring segments with uh, Nick Dunsmore, Eugene from old WWE uh, things back in the day. So. Yeah, my favorite guys though. I mean, it's 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 The Rock, you know, Dwayne Johnson. He's he's the man for that definitely. He was always a big uh, aspiration growing up as well. Um, and just to see a guy like him, you know, when those guys are just they just believe they can do anything. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a wrestling done that Hollywood now becomes the highest paid actor in Hollywood. You know, he'll be president next probably, the way things are going over there. Um, so. Yeah, he was always my uh, the biggest role model right. in all of that. I respect that. So my next picture that I have um, is more so a picture that was taken about a day or so ago. And it was just a little bit of a little selfie that you have working out in the gym. Um, you know, what is it about just being mentally and physically fit that allows you to become a better person and a better human being? Oh, so much. Uh, it's a great question. It's you know Every top entrepreneur like Richard Branson will say, the key to success is, is training first thing in the morning. Um, for me, it, it just it's it's not about a certain level of fitness. It's not like being lifting X amount of weight is going to help you in business or having a certain endurance. It's more for me about the fact that when you start your day like that, it's it's um, first there's a lot of scientific backing on it that it's um, you you release certain chemicals in your body when you exercise. You sweat first thing. Um, I think it's like brain-derived neuron factors, BDNF or some, something. It's like some kind of thing happens. They've proven now that it's kind of like expunging or like stress from the day before. Or oh, you wake up as entrepreneurs, we wake up with a million things in our mind of things we've got to do. And if you start the day in a reactive mode, it, it just you just put bad energy into everything. Mm-hmm. So by, by starting, I've got a ritual in the mornings where there's no social media for the first 60 minutes. No, um, emails, no work stuff. It's just wake up, um, journal my thoughts, good breakfast, get to the gym. I then go and sit in the sauna for 10 minutes in silence just to gather my thoughts. And what that process does, it it helps you be present, helps us remember we have life outside of business as well mm-hmm. to put things in perspective. And when you do that, you, if you get used to it, you'll you'll start having the the overthinking will start subsiding, and you'll start getting this like massively like creative inspirational ideas just start coming out of nowhere mm. when you just so so when you're in the gym you're working out you know it's 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 just presence you know there's nothing else going on and and I think that really lets you set up your day you go into work mode then you're more empowered you're more inspired um, you know you've taken care of yourself first and it just has a big effect on the way you you talk to your team the way you talk to your customers the way you handle sacks and things and things I know for a fact when you know, there's some bad news or something didn't go according to plan in business if I've just come out of a workout I'm like no problem we'll handle it mm-hmm. but if I go in that reactive mode then I'll start you know again those residual thoughts and patterns come back up again mm-hmm. so it, it primes you it, it really primes you to, to take on the day basically this is a picture of your thought process and if this is what is inside your brain right now <laughs> 
I would I applaud and applaud because your brain is so organized. Um, is this how you 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 think? Is this how you operate? Is this how you get your mind and your ideas out? That's just that's um that was a snapshot of a new org chart I made up that is now online. <laughs> Thank goodness it's online. Uh, and this is just what something I teach entrepreneurs you know put an org chart together, an organizational chart, because you know when you're stuck in the in the day to day of things, the first step to clarity and freedom is to is to look at the thirty thousand view of your business and say, this you know, you're going to disidentify from the tasks because we think that we are the business. The first step is to say no. For the business to succeed, a number of functions have to happen. You don't have to. You might have to do them. You might not have to. But a number of functions have to happen. So if we break down what are all the tasks that have to happen, then you can look at all those things. If you're doing 50 things a day in the business, you can then look at those tasks first of all. Then we can organize them. Then we can put them into departments, which are marketing tasks, which are sales, which are fulfillment. And then you can start the process of, of outsourcing them. But you've got to disidentify and get them from your brain onto paper, first of all, and say, this is what's happening now. Which parts of this can I start moving out of? Mm-hmm. And that's what we do. Because entrepreneurs, I, I, I teach this to, they say, you know, they say, well, I don't need an organizational chart yet. It's like, when the company is this big, you know, then we'll get organized. And I'm like, well, no, it's when you get organized, then the company can get that big. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that's what that image is all about. Yeah. Amen to that. Um, my final question is the blind entrepreneur is defined as a person who is temporarily lost or blind in business. Um, you said that you advise startups and a lot of businesses on, on organization, sales, etc. To those individuals that are stuck in business, what are three pieces of advice that you would give to a fellow entrepreneur? So number one is going to be something that's not thought of enough is why are you in business? What do you want the business to do for you? Because most people get into business as a replacement job. So your business can either be as a job, it can serve as a replacement to work rather than work somewhere else, that's fine. Or it can become an investment vehicle or an asset that works for you and produces a lifestyle of time, income, and freedom for you. And whichever one you want is no judgment, it's totally fine. You've gotta know which one you want because to get there takes a different strategy. So first is know why you're doing this. And Mm -hmm. for most people, they want freedom. For most people, they want want wealth, freedom, impact, and they want the business to work for them. So that's the first thing is awareness of that. The second piece of advice is then take that you know, have that vision of what you want your life to be like and what the business has to do to create that for you and then translate that into specific quantifiable goals. So how many sales you're gonna need? How many leads do you need to generate? How many clients need to be fulfilled? How many, what, what team members are you gonna need? When are you gonna need them by? And again, a lot of entrepreneurs don't think of these things. They, they kind of think it's like, when I get there, I'll, I'll think about these things. And, and and that's not the way to look at a business. That's that's you acting with the mindset that this is a job. But I would encourage you, if you've decided you want an investment vehicle that funds a lifestyle for you, then the next step is to treat it like a real business and say, you know, hey, it's just me right now. It's me and a hundred bucks in my pocket. 
but I'm going to make an org chart. I'm going to plot out what roles I need and when. I'm going to imagine that we're going to build a big company, a turnkey business. Um, and if you start that way, you're going to build it a lot faster. So, so number one is, is know that goal. Know, know what your life and business is going to look like. Number two is then put it into quantifiable tasks. And number three is then understand your critical to happen to get the business moving. You want to figure out which five of those are the tasks that you should be getting all your energy towards. Mm. The tasks that you are the best at and that you love the most. Anything else, you, you want to start outsourcing from day one or not doing at all. And that's where I'd say, again, don't, don't drive yourself into the business by accumulating tasks. Know what is your superpower, the, the three or four things that will make it work for you, and then barter, beg, borrow, steal, whatever you need to do to get the help to fill out the rest of the blanks, like admin stuff or whatever. And, and you're just going to, the business is going to work better when everyone stays in the right lane. Mm. Well, Justin, you, you've given a ton of uh, information, valuable information today. So thank you so much for that. Uh, you successfully completed the podcast. So I would like to give you the next 30 seconds to tell everybody about how they can learn more about you, be a part of your journey, follow you on social media and potentially become a customer. Great, brilliant. So, um, you know, if you are one of these people, like a solopreneur, you're burned out, overwhelmed, stressed out, you don't know how to take your business to high six or seven figures without crushing yourself or sacrificing your life in the process, then, you know, that's that's what I kind of do. I put out loads of content. Uh, best thing to do is go to my website, justindevonshire.com. Um, if you actually want to find out, um, I have a video actually with, with five principles of how to escape that time for money trap and get more scalability. You go to justindevonshire.com forward slash freedom. Freedom? I think it is. Freedom, yeah. And there's like a 16 minute video on there. No opt in or anything like that. You just The video will just play. And it walks through the five steps that, I, that I, I've taken entrepreneurs through. And uh, hopefully that helps you. Otherwise, the blog is there. There's loads of food. And you can connect on Facebook, search Justin Demchuk. I'm happy to chat to anyone and um, get to know you. Very cool. Good stuff. Well, thank you, Justin, so much for your time and for your knowledge. Um, and thank you guys that are still watching, listening, uh, and commenting, liking, subscribing, the whole nine. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on YouTube. Head over to theblindentrepreneur.com for more interviews. Being blind in business is temporary, and I hope after listening to the wisdom of Justin today, you are now able to see more clearly. Go out there and execute your vision, everybody. Have a good rest of your day.